Hello, my brothers and sisters. It is Wednesday, July the 15th, the Ides of July. I wish you every blessing and joy. I hope you are well today. And um, if you are in this area, staying dry in the midst of some of the thunderstorms we've been having. Uh, this is another Cup of Joe podcast. And what we do, for those who may be new, we look at the gospel of the day I give a brief reflection on it again, certainly not the last word by any means. If the Spirit takes you in a different place, praise God for that. And uh, we pray a decade of the rosary together. Um, One week we will uh, do um, a full uh, set of the rosary, one of the mysteries. This week we're on the joyful. I am a lay Catholic minister within the Diocese of Green Bay. My title is a pastoral leader of three Catholic parishes. So it's an honor to be here. I appreciate you being with us. And today is a feast day, but we'll talk a little bit more about that after we hear the gospel. So today, let's listen to the gospel. It is Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 to 27. Matthew 11, 25 to 27. Let's hear the word of God. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. At that time, Jesus exclaimed, I give praise to you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for although you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, you have revealed them to the childlike. Yes, Father, such has been your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So, boy, three verses, but there's a lot in there. Um, let's just let's just start with this. You know, what what's happening here? Is God trying to to play coy? Is He trying to just kind of hide Himself from us, but yet reveal a little bit, kind of peeking out from behind the bush? Uh, And I don't think that's it at all. I give you praise, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for although you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, you have revealed them to the childlike. I don't think, now again, take this for what it's worth. These are just my thoughts. I don't think that, that God is hiding anything from the wise and the learned. I think simply the wise and the learned have a harder time understanding because they bring with them the baggage of being wise and learned. And I think the easy thing is the wise and learned want to be the gatekeepers, as it were, for those people uh, who need to understand the faith. And so they would come to them, and in a sense, it could be very much a power issue, uh, very much an ego issue, um, very much a pride issue that uh, those who need and desire to be closer to God, well, they need and desire the wise and the learned. Uh, and, and in a sense, it becomes an office. And, uh, and that is what becomes important, not maybe necessarily where God, what God is teaching and, and where God is inviting us. Um, and, and certainly, from time to time, the church has, has fallen into that as well. We call that clericalism. Uh, but, but we praise God that God is bigger than that. 
and and certainly the wise and the learned uh, can be open to God's uh, love and mercy and and grace and goodness and and His wisdom and of who He is, and and accept that just as the childlike do. But it's harder for them because again that baggage that may be there. It's it's like when Jesus says, you know, that the the wealthy, the rich. Uh, cannot enter the kingdom of God. It's like a camel going through the eye of the needle. It's the same idea. There is is nothing. Wealth is is neither good nor bad, but it brings with it baggage and pressure, and it brings with it ease and security and all those things to which we can succumb and, uh, and give ourselves over to and therefore fall under their grips and need less the uh, the word of God, and and the simplicity of grace, and goodness, and I think that's what Jesus is saying here. Is the childlike? They got nothing. They got nothing. They've got no repute. They've got no um, place that they can uh, a refuge. They've got no place to which they can turn. They've got no uh, voice. They've got no security. They have only one thing, and it is God. And the same with those who are poverty, to use that same analogy then to, to those who can't, the wealthy, not going through the eye of the needle. Because they've got nothing to which to turn except to God. And that's why it's easier, because, and, and easier is all relative, my friends. But, but God is their security. God becomes their wealth. God becomes their voice. God becomes their, their essence not something external. Um, and, and that's why I don't think God is hiding anything from the learned and the clever. It's just it's harder to get through some of their uh, external walls, uh, the masks that they put on, and the childlike don't have those. So I think what this invites us to, if nothing else, is to to get rid of anything that... Well, ultimately, who we think we are, apart from God, because none of those things let God through. And that, brothers and sisters, is a good segue to the last part. No one knows the the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal him. It's that idea of, of, yes, it's important to know about Jesus, brothers and sisters, I hope you and I know a whole lot about Jesus. But far more important is do we know Jesus? Meaning, do we know him on a level that is beyond knowing about? Yeah, I lived born maybe 4-ish A.D., or B.C., excuse me, and lived to about 30 A.D. and, and did miracles and died on a cross and marries his mother and all important. But who is he to you? Because that's, that's what he needs to know. That's what he desires to know. No one knows the Father except the Son, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal the Father. It's, it's an intimate knowledge. Again, I've used that term before, that that knowing in a biblical sense that sexual intimacy, that that's how well on that level we are invited to know God. And and my friends, and again, a trap that, that I certainly fall in, and, and maybe you do too, is easy for us, I think, sometimes to think we know God. 
and we've got God figured out, but we don't. We don't. God is always beyond. You know, there's a story that uh, John Glenn told back when uh, he and the uh, other astronauts were, were getting ready for the Mercury missions and all these things and, and training. They gave them a quiz, and one of those quiz was say, um, what do you know? Who do you know yourself to be? Answer that 20 different ways. And, and Glenn said it was easy at first. You know, I'm a man. I'm an astronaut in training. Uh, I'm an American. Uh, uh, and I'm, I'm a husband. I'm a, I'm a son. I'm a father. But the more you got into it, the harder it was because it, caused, it called for introspection to say, uh, I'm a lover of God. I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm weak. I'm hopeful. You know, all those things that, that are the essence of who we are, from which our manhood, our womanhood, our, our citizenship, our, our vocation, all springs from those inner things of more depth. And, and that, I, so I think this calls us to know fully who we are, but also to know fully, well, as full as we can on this side of the veil, who God is. And, and always be open to that God who can and will surprise us. Today we celebrate the, the Feast of St. Bonaventure. Bonaventure is, is one of those wonderful names that we may have heard before, but we really don't talk about much in the church, but incredibly important, particularly to the Franciscan order. Lived in the 13th century, uh, was born and supposedly met Francis when he was a young boy. Um, but Francis had died by the time Bonaventure became a Jesuit. And, and born in Italy, born to a family of means, but, uh, and well-educated. But what was important to him was not necessarily his well-education, but his great love of who Francis was and how Francis presented his relationship with Christ. And that's what Bonaventure wanted. And it uh, invited him to join the Franciscan order. He taught, again, incredibly learned man. Bonaventure's a doctor of the church, and there's only about 30-some of those, 33, I believe, 33, 36 in that ballpark. He's one of them, the serific doctor, they call him, because he taught at the uh, University of Paris. Brilliant mind. But his brilliance wasn't uh, what, well, I don't want to say this. It's only one of the things that drove people to, to go to, to his classes and sign up for him. It was his mystical sense, his sense of, of an inner, again, that intimacy of knowing God and, and knowing Francis and how he conveyed that. Well, what happened when he was in his, say, mid-30s or so, the, um, the Franciscan order was experiencing a very difficult time. Francis had passed away, and Francis, in his beautiful way, of course, on his deathbed, said, I have done what was mine to do. And he looked at those Franciscans around him and said, now it is yours to do what you must do. Um, which is wonderful theology and wonderful vocationally in that God will call us individually. But it doesn't really keep an order together, you know? And so they were all kind of doing their own thing and, and they were going all in these different directions and some of them were quite out there. And they needed someone to come in here and create in order, and they asked Bonaventure to do that. So he left his teaching, went, 
And um, in the midst of all these disparate things that were going on within the uh, Franciscan order, he structured it based on not only the teachings of Francis, but the teachings of the church. He did it in a pastoral and mystical and beautiful way. But yet he had that incredible mind that, that did so uh, from an academic perspective as well. He was both pastoral and sensitive and academic, and he was simply beloved by uh, those that met him. And, uh, and, and truly, Francis is the founder of the order, but without Bonaventure, we may, the Franciscan order may not have survived beyond uh, that, that 13th century. And so Bonaventure is incredibly important in the life, not only of the church, but in the life particularly of the Franciscans. Before he was died, Pope Gregory made him a cardinal uh, and, a, and, a, and a bishop. And, uh, and so, again, you could tell he was beloved not only to his Franciscan brothers and sisters, not only to his students, but to the hierarchy as well. Again, this was someone who clearly knew God on a heart level, heart to heart, and was able to convey that in his beautiful mystical words where people who saw him knew he knew. That's the relationship I think our gospel today invites us to, to know God on the level heart to heart, where heart speaks to heart, and, um, and convey that pastorally and mystically and, and beautifully as best we can to those in our lives. Let's pray. We are on the uh, third joyful mystery today, so if there is something or someone for which you would like to pray, I invite you to call it to mind at this time. So let us begin then. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. The third joyful mystery, the birth of Christ, the incarnation. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. 
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell. Lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Again, my friends, thank you and blessings to you. I have a wonderful Wednesday, and I look forward to us being back together on Thursday. God's blessings. <laughs>